the State of the Industry Bailout Edition takes off now. Jim Higgins, Professor of Aviation, University of North Dakota, John D. Odegaard School of Aerospace Sciences. What is going on, Aviation Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast Special Edition, the State of the Industry Bailout. This is going to talk about anything and everything related to the bailout. As we were recording this podcast, the final bill was not passed. It is now looking like the president has still to sign it, but we actually got the notification in the podcast that it was through the house. So some of the information and verbiage could be a little different than what we talked about. But what we do know when we were recording this episode is it looks like the airlines were able to secure grant and aid. We don't know if that's going to come through specific grants or maybe loans, or they also talked about potentially stakes in an airline. But this is what we do know. The bill that passed the Senate included $25 billion in grants for passenger airlines, $4 billion for cargo airlines, $3 billion for airline contractors like catering workers. In exchange, this will keep the companies from furloughing any workers through September 30th. So this buys us the necessary time that we need in the airline world. Aviation, the only plug I'm going to do is follow me on Pilot the Pilot and check out aviationcoronavirusnews.com for any up-to-date airline information. And other than that, I don't want to keep you any longer. So without any further ado, Here's the State of the Industry Bailout Edition with Jim Higgins. Jim, what's going on? Welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thanks for having me back, Justin. Yeah, no problem. I promise you one day we will have you on and we will just talk good news. We will just talk about North Dakota. We'll talk about you and your story. But right now, that's not that's not the case. We need to talk. So some more stuff has happened and some more, uh, some more information we can uh, talk about and debrief a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that in the future. Hopefully it won't be too long. I hope not. I mean, yeah, like we all know this is a very fluid situation and we're not really sure when it's going to end or when the end is in sight, but we are definitely in the middle of it right now. And uh, the most recent information, I guess airlines have pretty much cut most of the flights that they're going to do. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like the, this bailout comes, it's going to help protect jobs. We talked earlier about how the bailout hasn't been officially signed, but we do kind of understand what they want from the airlines. We do understand the money that they're going to be giving and how it's going to be divided and what there there's some inklings i don't know if it's been fully addressed or fully announced all the details but there's some some speculation out there that maybe the government wants a stake in airlines or kind of depending on how much money you do take from that so i, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of talk about the effects of a bailout and kind of maybe some some bad things that could come from it but how it's a, a necessary evil right now absolutely well you know to understand airline bailouts in the united states we have to go back to 911 uh, because after 9-11, there was what was called the Airline Stabilization. Um, I don't know. It was an act of Congress. I don't know the official name of the act, but, yeah. but it was Airline Stabilization Bailout of Funds. And airlines could apply, and many of them did. Some were awarded. Uh, not everyone got what they wanted from it. That was a pure grant situation. So there were no strings attached, really. And uh, it was just, here's some money to stay in business. We can't let the nation's airlines fail. And so the airlines took that money. Unfortunately, during that time, a lot of uh, negative things happened. The airlines in many cases continued to furlough. Um, within a short time, there were some questionable use of, of the money. There were some bankruptcies that occurred and some union contracts that were shed during, not contracts, but portions of the union contracts were shed yeah. during that bankruptcy. And so, so Congress has a long memory and they remember that. And so this time around, um, they have attached a lot of strings 
to it. Um, now, the good news is, is uh, it's overall, in my opinion, a, a very welcome development, and it should give a lot of reassurance to airline employees everywhere. Uh, we're still not out of the woodwork, um, but there's certainly going to be a lot of job protections and uh, other types of um, good good news for the companies. But there are strings attached. Yeah, let's talk about the, the kind of the effects of the strings in a second. But one question I have is going to be, so say, is there any airline right now that can afford to gamble and not take this money and accept the strings? Cause I'm sure the airlines, you know, the airlines are very proud. They're very proud to be separate. They're very proud to, to not have stakes of government and not be nationalized. And I know that's a whole conversation for something else, nationalization versus just grant and aid or some kind of loan or even stipulations to the money they give. But is there any airline that thinks right now that they could come out of this without that money? Well, no one has really uh, said that. As you know, there was a letter sent, uh, led by uh, uh, Ed Bastian. Well, I don't know if it was led by, it was signed by all the different uh, CEOs uh, last week to Congress. And um, all the big carriers were on there. Uh, and so I think that basically means that they would welcome, depending on you know how the final legislation reads, they would welcome that. The ones that I did not see on some of these were some of the lower cost carriers, and so we're not really sure, you know, Allegiant made a ton of money uh, leading up to this uh, and they are in a pretty good, well, no one's in a good position, but relative to everyone else, they're in a, in a pretty good position. And so it'll be interesting to see if some of these carriers that had pretty strong balance sheets, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Allegiant and Frontier and Spirit, they come to mind. Also, um, Alaska and Southwest and JetBlue would be another category. It'll be interesting to see what those airlines do and how they view this. The grant part, however, because par part of the, um, from what I've read, and again, we have to wait to see the final language, but from what I've read, there's a portion of this that is a grant, meaning it doesn't have to be paid back. It doesn't have as much strings. I think there's just some job protections with that. And so I, I it would be interesting if somebody turned down a grant. The loans, I think the government gets a little more of their hands involved in an airline, and that may give some trepidation to some airlines, uh, some of the ones we mentioned. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. I mean, we talk about kind of how the, the government might get their hands in it, and there's really, I, I mean, let's just put it, to be perfectly blunt, it doesn't matter how great of a situation you're in, you can't operate an airline or operate an aviation company <laughs> how the demand looks. You know, it's like aviation's expensive, inherently expensive, and there's a lot of costs, and they need that money to to operate monthly and to pay the pay what they need to pay for planes, for people, for for jobs, for fuel, for maintenance, for everything. And as the industry is right now, it seems like almost everyone is going <laughs> to need some kind of money like this. But going back to the stipulations, what have you read or what have you heard that the government be looking into do it. I know we talked about job protection. I know the company really doesn't want a mass amount of furloughs, especially in the aviation industry. That's we're talking tens of thousands and maybe even like hundreds of thousands of people that could be up for, for being furloughed or laid off. What else do you see in these bills? Well, yeah, you, you put your finger on it. The, the job protection is the big one. I, I did read one version. I don't know if that's going to make it to the end uh, between the House and the Senate that uh, put a 90% level on that. So it set a staffing ratio, it set a staffing level, and I believe it was March 1st. So every airline would have to maintain at least 90% of their staffing ratios uh, from uh, that they had on March 1st. I, and now again, I don't know if that's going to, the language that's going to make it uh, that we finally see, but that does, that does, that's not 100%. And right. so uh, we'll probably see 
some, um, you know, there's just some inevitable uh, layoffs. Because like you said, there's no company in the world that can that can continue to operate selling only 10 to 20 percent of their normal product. It doesn't matter how strong you are. So that's that's definitely going to have to be an issue. The loans are going to have some strings. Um, there has been some talk about equity positions from the government, which I got to tell you is a really interesting piece because it kind of flies in the face of the deregulation we saw back in 78. If the government, if our U.S. government actually took equity positions in airlines, uh, that would be a very interesting development because it would actually be uh, an even further uh you know, um, a further regularization of, uh, of the industry, much more than we ever saw even back before the 78 uh, Regulatory Reform Act and deregulation. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I can understand the airlines may not like that idea at all. Uh, you know, have to open their books. Things become public. You know, I mean, there's just all kinds of issues with that. Yeah. When And kind of explain it to everyone that's listening. So when the government's talking about kind of equity stakes in a company, what does that necessarily mean? Does it mean they're going to get a percentage of the profits? Does it mean that they're going to have some say in how it works? Or does, does, does the airline just need to have public information and be more transparent with their customers? Kind of what does it actually mean when they say equity for in, in an airline? So equity is ownership. So if, if the provisions that are being discussed come to fruition, that literally means the U.S. government would take an ownership position in an airline that takes a loan if, if that's enacted. So so uh, that means they're, they're just like any other shareholder out there, whatever the percentage would be. Um, now, there may be some, I, I have to, we'll have to see how this works out. Sometimes equity can be what they call convertibles or options, which means that um, over time they can convert to debt or loans. Uh, so we're going to have to take a look and see how that's structured. But um, yeah, if somebody has an equity position in your uh, publicly traded company, which all the airlines are, uh, then, um, you know, they get it, they get to vote with the shareholders, they get to uh, have all the uh, benefits of being a shareholder, including any dividends, which we're not going to see anytime soon, but, but things of that nature. Um, I, I, the way that I think the government's rationale for this is they're trying to collateralize their loans. So if they make a big, you know, in this case, a $60 billion portion investment, they want they want to make sure that their money uh, is collateralized and they have a good chance of getting their loan back. And so the way they're doing it is just very similar to like a mortgage on your house or a car payment. They're just going to retain ownership of that while you continue to pay off the loan. In this case, it wouldn't be the entire company; it would, it would be a percentage. Absolutely. So you you think that if there was a stake, it might be a temporary stake until they can pay back that loan? Or do you think it's going to be like, they'll be like, oh, well, we actually like having 10% of this airline. So we like <laughs> well, seeing this money coming in when times are good. Well, I certainly hope that it's not a permanent, uh, permanent stake. I, I might, this is just my personal opinion. You know, I tend to play more on the capital, the capitalism side of the industry. Uh, certainly there's some benefits and drawbacks to every type of system. But when you let the market work without government interference, uh, you know, in a normal situation, it tends to lead to the best prices for the consumers. And so um, for that reason alone, uh, I would hope that any kind of stake that the government would take would simply be a collateralized stake or some kind of an option stake. And once the loan's paid off, that would go away. I do not know. I have not read the, the latest language that's been proposed. And as you know, um, whenever the House and the Senate are negotiating through what they call a conference, 
Um, you know, lots of little things can be added in even at the last second. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to get the exact language and to see what airlines will have to, to necessarily give up because we're not necessarily in the, the 2008 world with the auto industry or even the previous 2001 after September 11th, where it's just like you said, just grants and just money. They've kind of learned from those mistakes and they're like, well, we need to have some something back in return. We can't just keep giving out free money, which I mean, I, it makes sense. Like if you're a business, you don't want to invest anything about getting something else in return as well. So it's how you operate a good business, you know? It really depends on one's perspective. If you're the government and you're looking out for the taxpayers, you're going to try to do the best you can to minimize your risk on these types of investments. Of course, if you're a company out there, you're going to look at that and say, well, it's because of the guidelines the government published, and rightly so, that's caused our business to suffer. And so we'd be happy with just getting a payment to compensate us for that so that we can continue. Don't forget the U.S. air industry, by most estimates, is comprises or moves uh, at least 10% of our national GDP, if not more. So if that segment went away, and it never will, but hypothetically speaking, if that segment went away, that would be 10% of our GDP just gone overnight. So it's a very important sector. I mean, we're seeing it. All of us experience the sector. Anything you order online uh, is going to be delivered by that. So it's it's a very um, important piece of the government, very important piece of the people. And so we uh, we, we definitely want to see a, a good equilibrium uh, reach there. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I haven't heard anything about this, but there's, I guess the other option is, so they need this money. Is there any kind of way or opportunity? Have you read anything? Have you heard anything about maybe about a private company or like uh, someone that has sitting on billions and billions of dollars that would ever come in and be like, yeah, I'll buy Delta. I'll, I'll give Delta money. I'll give United money. Do you think that's out of the realm of possibilities here? Um, I, I think it's unlikely, but it's certainly not outside the realm of possibilities because uh, right now airlines are at a, uh, a pretty good low and in terms of market cap. So if you were somebody out there that uh, had a, um, a penchant to buy an airline, this might be the time to do it. It's still risky, but I think we all agree the industry is going to bounce back uh, as it always has in the past. How quickly that happens, we're still not sure, but we know it will. So if you take a, a five to 10 year position on it and say, I think this could be a really good deal, uh, that would um, that would be a time to maybe do it. Now, of course, the airlines probably wouldn't like that, any kind of a takeover, and they would probably do their best to resist that, uh, possibly. It depends on the benefit to their shareholders. But um, I, I still think that's a little bit unlikely right now just because of the overall uncertainty in the economy. But it's definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's kind of interesting to kind of, to. I mean, I know I don't want to speculate too much, but to think about that. So think about every airline except for one accepts all this money and then a private guy comes in or a private girl with a ton of money comes in, throws it down. And then it's kind of interesting to see how that competition plays out with other airlines, maybe giving more money back to the government where this one can kind of full go on and operate like they did in the past. So that would definitely raise uh, some uh, interesting times for competition and just uh, operating practices. That's a good point. However, I think that that's uh, if the government did take an equity position, that would be one way they would mitigate against that because if there was a takeover, they would, uh, you know, potentially sell off their piece and, and get out of it, you yeah. know, uh, but, but your point's well taken. My other guess is, and I, I don't know, we'll wait to see, but any kind of a loan, just because the legislation says there'll be loans on top of that, there's going to be a loan agreement that has a lot more details that are signed. It'll be a contract. My guess is there'll be what are called successorship provisions 
that uh, speak to exactly what you're talking about, which means that if the company's transferred, sold, or merged, that the provisions of the loan repayment uh, would go with it, and it'd be a condition of the sale to the next in, next group that would take it over. Good to know. And uh, kind of uh, transferring away from the private ownership and that, what who does this look like? Who does this money go to? Like, obviously, the MBAA was asking for money. You have uh, cargo companies. You have some other kind of medevacs. You have some other ne- necessary uh, um, operators that might want access to this money. As it has been written, as you've been, I mean, I know it's not final yet, but as you've kind of read a little bit into this, I know it's still early. Is this for airlines and major cargo companies pretty much only? Or do we see some of this money trickle down into the business jet world, the Ameriflight world, or just kind of come some other necessary operators in uh, the country? So from what I've seen so far, uh, it, it, it takes, it uh, is directed at the airlines, the 121 world, and also airports. Those seem to be the two that it's directed at. Um, you're absolutely right. There are other groups that have been lobbying. And so we'll see what's in the final final language. Actually, I got to tell you, just, uh, I, mean, you know, I know that the University of North Dakota and some of the other larger flight schools, they're very concerned about their CFI groups that now have pretty much uh, had to leave in mass. And, um, you know, hopefully, and I'm sure they will, but hopefully they'll come back and to all the different flight schools around the country. But there's been some talk about maybe the bailout should go down to that part of the, uh, uh, that part of the world, that part of the industry, it wouldn't be as expensive as it would be to, you know, keep airline employees, uh, employed. So there's all kinds of groups out there that are working. And even if things don't make it in this bailout, there's already uh, been a lot of statements made by many people that there will be succeeding rounds after this, uh, where you might see some of this attached. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it's scary to think that we're in a situation where the world, I mean, it's not just airlines and aviation, but we're in a situation where we're going to need multiple bailouts, you know, like we, I mean, obviously we don't know how long this is going to last. Like maybe in, in a month we might get some good news. We could see an end in sight, or maybe we're looking at a, a longer kind of pandemic and a longer situation, but hopefully that's not the case. But if we do need multiple bailouts, that could definitely, it could definitely lead to maybe the government wanting to give the companies they think will make it, you know, there it just could be some really interesting choices that people have to make. The, the, you're absolutely right. The other piece too, is the other, there was a company also included, which was Boeing. There quietly was uh, uh, several billion uh, put aside for Boeing as well. Uh, details are a little sketchy on that right now as terms of, is it a loan? Is it a bailout? So, I mean, there are going to be individual companies that are looked at. I don't think the government wants to get into the position of picking winners and losers. So I think they're just going to make it available and whoever uses it then will have the the conditions and the strings attached to it. It was interesting about Boeing because I read an article about saying how Boeing wasn't interested in receiving any bailout that had any kind of stipulations to it. They said they will find ulterior methods to, to get the money necessary. That was kind of an interesting statement for them to hear. And it seems like they're challenging the government on that. Well, I read that as well. And, uh, in all candidness, I would probably say the same thing if I was the CEO pre-legislation, you know, in hopes of trying to get Congress to not put as many strings on it. Um, I don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, the secondary credit markets are going to be probably pretty tough for Boeing right now. Uh, corporate bonds would be kind of tough right now. So I, I don't know. They may not have much of a choice. Uh, only ones that would know that would be them themselves. They know what their order books look like. Um, you know, my guess is, is that, uh, uh, 
I, I, I would not doubt at all right now that there are CEOs that are putting in big orders or negotiating big orders behind the scenes right now because what a great time to buy from Boeing. And um, the only thing is, is, as I mentioned to other people, uh, the one thing I would do, and this is just you know whether or not they, this happens or not, they would need to change the MAX name. they got to get rid of the MAX name. And same thing happened to the DC-10 to the MD-11, and same thing happened with other things. If you, if you change the name, I'm not trying to say the public is fickle, but they, they tend to kind of forget about some of the issues. And so whatever the name is, whatever the next uh, 737s are, ultimately they're going to make it to the line and they're going to be successful aircraft. And now would be a time to plan five to seven years out to maybe get a good deal. So it, maybe Boeing knows that. And so maybe they're saying that, hey, even though right now our balance sheet looks horrible, we, have, we think we have a huge upside and you know maybe we'll be able to survive without any kind of intervention. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. And like you said, the only one that knows that is Boeing. The only one that knows how long an airline can operate right now is Delta, is American, is United, is whatever, insert your airline here. They're the only ones that know how many months they can prepare and how many months they could withstand this or weeks, whatever we're talking about. I mean, we've seen a lot of airlines, like we talked about in the past, kind of not be able to handle this as well as some of the American airlines have. So it's a, it's a very, very fluid situation. And it's something that is definitely going to be something we need to keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks and months, because like we said, it's fluid, it's changing. And it just seems we get new information every single day. Yeah. Well, well stated. That's exactly right. It would be very interesting, although this is very closely held information, it would never be released publicly, but it would be really interesting to get a peek uh, behind the curtain at what's going on from a reservation systems point of view, how many customers are ordering tickets out into the summer and, and later. Um, I think most of the people uh, in the U.S., at least, all realize that at some point the pandemic will be over. Again, no one knows the timing, but you know, certainly, a lot of people are probably. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what's going on in the in the winter, for instance, some of the longer term stuff. And what would be really fascinating is to see how that compares to you know this time last year for say the you know August September ticket sales. You know, and and like you said, the only ones that know that and they're not going to release that. Uh, at least in detail, are going to be the airlines. But that's going to be the canary in the cage for the comeback, you know, and, and letting us know, uh, you know, how long it's going to take and, and whatnot. Still too much uncertainty with the pandemic, probably to take any reasonable measurements, but it still would be interesting to take a look. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting. And there's no way an airline's going to release that for competition reasons or even just, they're just so, every airline, every aviation company is very secretive on their books. You know, they don't really want everyone poking their head and to see what's going on because that could be a very competitive situation right there. So yeah, like you said, I don't think that will ever happen, but it would be fascinating data to have to be able to, to see that. Yeah, I, I agree. Airlines have to do a lot of reporting after the fact. So there's a lot, if you go to the uh, Bureau of Transportation Statistics uh, in the U.S., there's a lot of information, especially major uh, major airlines defined by the DOT. They have to report, but it's always uh, post hoc. It's always after the fact. It's not what's going on 90 days from now, that's for sure. Yeah. And we've talked multiple times and obviously in the first one, you know, we're kind of like hesitant, like we didn't really, no one really knew where it was going and how deep this was going to go. But uh, do you see, like, obviously it, the longer this goes on, the more possible chances are that airlines could go under, airlines could file for bankruptcy or start doing furloughs. Did you, per, did, could you see, did you think it was going to get this bad, this quick that uh, the airlines, I mean, we're, we talked about like a week and a half ago now, and we're already talking about a government bailout and, and everything and cutting 60%, 70%, some airlines grounding all their flights. Did you think that this is going to turn into the situation? Well, no, I don't think anyone uh, foresaw the economic, I don't think anyone foresaw the 
pandemic. I mean, there certainly have been people that have said, hey, we got to watch out for a pandemic and it could be catastrophic. But I don't think anyone realized, uh, you know, politicians, even the epidemiologists that uh, sit there and warn us. I don't think anyone could have seen this. You know, and I, when I talk in my classes about things that could um, throw off the upswing that we were experiencing for the last decade, you know, the one, the example that would always come to, to mind would be a war, like, you know, in North Korea, uh, South Korea with the nuclear tension, uh, U.S. with nuclear tension, with it, all of that could, could absolutely cause a panic as well. Uh, luckily, that hasn't ha- happened. Uh, and, you know, looks like, you know, knock on wood, we're not going to uh, have to worry about that. But those would be the kind of scenarios that you can't really foresee all the time. You know, if you've ever read the book about black swans, you know, there are these events that um, until they happen, nobody ever really visualized it. Think of 9-11. I mean, I suppose there might have been some people that thought that it was possible to fly aircraft into buildings. But at that time, it just wasn't in our thought process that somebody would ever do that. And now, of course, we're very aware of it. We put security measures in place. And by the way, I'm sure uh, looking at the response of the U.S. government to the events of 9-11, where we created an entirely new department, Homeland uh, Security and a TSA, uh, I would suspect that in the coming years after this, you're going to see a very similar response. Uh, There'll be lots of money and resources thrown into a lot more coordination with pandemic response, whether or not we create another agency and, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, I think that um, going forward, uh, just like we take security very seriously now with aviation, you're going to see the same thing, I think, with pandemics and pandemic uh, monitoring going forward. Yeah, and two things. One thing is I just got a notification on my Apple Watch saying that the House passed the $2 trillion stimulus package by voice vote, sending the bill to President Trump for his signature. So it has been passed. It is just awaiting signature. So, it, I mean, I mean, I can't really see a case where he wouldn't sign it. So, I mean, but we don't know it is President Trump. So who knows what could happen? But <laughs> it is looking like it's going to be passed. Uh, second thing I wanted to say about that is that there actually was a pandemic team, I believe, in the White House that was disbanded right after Trump got into office. I think that in 20, maybe it was the 2018, he shut it down. So there was an, uh, a, a kind of an office for that. Now, like you said, I feel like they are definitely going to bring that back and we're going to need some kind of way to, to mass produce vaccines quicker than we can now and just ways to help better prepare, maybe some better stipulations in place. And we might not like kind of some of the things they come up with where the government can automatically take control and shuts things down and be more author, author, authoritative, authoritative. There we go. I can't talk authoritative with what we, how we live our life in a pandemic situation. So it's going to be interesting that the bills that will come out of this, because we definitely, we can't afford to go through another situation like this. So, I mean, I feel like everyone would agree that we need something better than what we have right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. We've got to put something in place. Uh, you know, we've got the TSA. I know we, there's you know, a lot of jokes are made about that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, have comments about that. But certainly it's pretty invasive, especially if you've lived in a pre 9-11 world, you know, security was much more lax. And of course, now it's not. And of course, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, so far, so good. We haven't had a repeat of the 9-11 style of terrorist attacks. We've certainly had attempts, but we haven't had any successes. We're very thankful for that. And, and so uh, hopefully the same paradigm transfers to this pandemic uh, piece as well. And it's something that, um, 
a tough lesson to learn, obviously, but hopefully it's a lesson that uh, translates the same way as we did 9-11 and we put in good, effective solutions. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of what we're, we're faced with. And we don't know how to prepare until you kind of go through something because we, I mean, everyone thought this could happen, but you never think it happens in your lifetime. So why prepare? Why invest billions and billions of dollars? And we are seeing now, we are seeing now why it's important to invest those billions of dollars to help protect from something like this. So it's definitely going to be something that's going to happen in the future and how it's written how it's uh, it's created no one knows yet that's kind of what they're working on as long as well as a vaccine hopefully that comes as quick as it can as well but it's kind of the world we live in right now you know things have changed very very fast and uh the, the one it's not the aviation industry only this time so it goes to prove that everything's a cycle you know it's uh how we live is a cycle the the business world is a cycle aviation is a cycle you just gotta put yourself in the best situation possible to weather the downs and love and live the best life you can and prepare for the downs while you're in the up you know it's kind of just uh it's kind of making people rethink of how they should uh kind of see where they're at and see where they want their career to go yeah, but perfect advice. Uh, what you brought up there, Justin, that's exactly the way I feel about it as well. You know, um, even though we're still in the midst of, of this pandemic, there have been some amazing stories out there. Companies stepping up, individuals stepping up in everyone's local communities. There's amazing stories. So so uh, if anything, as sad as this has been, and of course, the loss of life is, is, is difficult to, to bear, especially for the affected loved ones, we nonetheless are still seeing some uh, amazing acts, individual acts and, and major acts. I mean, it's just, you see it all over the place. One of the big concerns in New York, for instance, is um, once patients convalesce and they're off the ventilator, and I mean, I know it's a lower percentage than a higher percentage, but but there is a group that will make it, but they're still infectious. And uh, New York is saying, well, they're going to have to maybe go back to their nursing homes. Well, that's a big problem, right? Yeah. Uh, because it could infect everyone at the nursing home. So so you look at like Carnival Cruises and Royal Caribbean Cruises, they, they said, well, you know what? We have these ships that are unused. You know, maybe we can pull into the harbor and, you know, be a place, a, a, you know, a halfway house for people convalescing. and get. So you're seeing examples like that all over the place. And, um, you know, that part is very heartening and, uh, you know, gives me certainly a lot, a lot of hope. Uh, and, you know, as I just want to reiterate, once again, we just had a big presentation at UND, virtual presentation at UND. And, you know, there's still a lot of uh, fear out there and panic. And, you know, especially if people that haven't seen these types of downturns in the past. And I mean, every downturn is different. There's part, you know, I got it after 9-11. I mean, you know, the, the world ended for me. I was thinking, man, this is unbelievable. Uh, but, um, you know, every generation has a cataclysmic, catastrophic events that they have to deal with. This happens to be ours right now. We will get through it. It's our way to get through it. We will grow from it and, you know, we'll be better down the road. It's just a matter of when, but we will be better off down the road and we'll make sure that things like this are much more controlled in the future. Absolutely. And it's just unfortunate. Like you said, this is what we're facing and it's great to see how everyone, or not everyone, how a lot of companies are kind of coming together and making sure they're doing what's right. Because we are in this together. The only way to get through this is by working together. And it's uh, in a way bringing, it's going to bring some kind of uh, patriotism and some country unity and some worldwide unity that we might have needed in the last couple of years and with the tensions and everything that was happening. But yeah, it's definitely, it's an unfortunate situation. Everyone can agree on that. <laughs> I can, I bet everyone will agree with me when they say they cannot wait for this to be over. And I'm guessing it's going to be a huge party supporting all local businesses for sure, <laughs> making sure yeah. that they can get through it. But uh, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I want to get you on where we can talk about something good, something happening 
happy when this is over, you're gonna be the first person I call so we can just share the good news and we can talk about where we're gonna go and how this is gonna work. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. As always, if you get anything new, you know, to, to email me or to hit me up, we can have the conversation going as quick as you want. So thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Justin. Looking forward to talking with you again soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. AV Nation, thank you for listening to today's episode. As we talked about, the bailout is all but passed and all but pushed through. All we are waiting on right now is President Trump's signature, so that should be coming any moment now, probably within the hour or when this episode is released. I just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, check us out on Pilot the Pilot. You can email me for any kind of communication or if you want to bring up a, an airline, something that's going on, or you just want to say hi, email me, pilotthepilothq at gmo.com. You can check out our website, pilotthepilothq.com. That's kind of our main website where we post some uh so the podcast and we have a link to shop patreon all those other things and then also please check out aviationcoronavirusnews.com sign up for the newsletter send daily newsletters letting you know what updates have happened there's gonna be some some updates today with the bailout for sure as looks like delta has already released a statement so i'm gonna get up and start updating those sites but aviation i hope you have a great day and as always happy flying